0: For the Postal Service, acquisition of new delivery vehicles has been a long, convoluted affair, and it's not over. Although the Postal Service did the requisite environmental impact statement, it wasn't good enough for stakeholders. USPS faces lawsuits. Somehow it all has to do with gasoline versus electric. For details and what has to happen next, we turn to the Audit Director of the Postal Service Office of Inspector General, Josh Bartson. Mr. Bartson, good to have you on.
1: Thanks for having me on, Tom.
0: And what is the status here? They let a contract some time ago, I think in late 2021, for a fleet of vehicles. Some were to be electric, some were to be gasoline. As required by law for more than 50 years, they submitted an environmental impact statement. Then what happened?
1: It's a great question, Tom. And just like a lot of things that this acquisition process is, you know, you brought up the word convoluted. It's very complex. There's no doubt about it. And there's a lot of stakeholders. And right now, as simple as I'm gonna say it's gonna be, the Pulse Service is on the path of still purchasing new vehicles with some combination of internal combustion engines and electric vehicles. And it's one of those things, at the end of the day, the Postal Service has a massive vehicle fleet, over 235,000 vehicles, and they get old. And at some point, some of these vehicles need to be replaced. So along that process, it's not like we can snap fingers and stuff happens overnight. There is a process to it. So like you said, the Postal Service has issued the environmental impact statement. And they're subsequently doing an environmental impact statement to address some of the issues that other stakeholders have raised, but of course, some of the issues that we identified in our report as well.
0: And who are these stakeholders that filed lawsuits and on what basis
1: you know what those parties it's kind of up to them in terms of who's filing that's their their ability to do so from our perspective we just tried to stick with the information that the postal service was sharing related to the acquisition process some of the publicly available information and then just do our work in terms of consulting with our internal general counsel Um, we also had a contractor on this work help us out so it was kind of a, a culmination of work from our side just to kind of assess the entire environment of which these decisions and this analysis was being made
0: But your recommendation that they do a supplemental EIS, environmental impact statement, is a result of issues raised by these lawsuits from external groups?
1: And that's one of the things, I guess, from the Postal Service's perspective, they have a big delivery realignment going on, too. So it's one of those things that becomes a kind of chicken-or-the-egg type endeavor of, with the Postal Service modernizing its delivery network, You want those vehicles to kind of align with what you view that future network to be. So in terms of the reasoning for their supplemental EIS, I'm sure it happened for a lot of factors, and that may be a better question for the Postal Service to answer. Again, we think that issuance of the supplemental is a great opportunity to address some of the concerns that maybe some of these stakeholders have raised, but, of course, some of the other issues that we raised up in our report.
0: Well, and the issues you raised in your report then are what?
1: On a procedural front, we found that the Postal Service complied with the NEPA procedural requirements in terms of content and format of the documents. But one of the things that we were saying that in an analysis as complex as this, there's always a lot of, you know, what's the right assumption? What's the right input? And when we reviewed some of the things and related to the reasonable alternatives that the Postal Service presented, the total cost of ownership analysis, and their environmental emissions analysis, those are some of the things that we think that could the inputs and the the bases and the analysis could just be refined a little bit better in that supplemental document.
0: Because one issue with the people that would have them go all electric, they would have the whole world go all electric, is that the state of infrastructure and the state of the art of the vehicles themselves just mean that you can't have electric on certain routes. You can on some, but there are routes where they just simply wouldn't work. So is that part of the issue, the balance here of electric versus gasoline?
1: Oh, Tom, you're absolutely correct. It's a function of two: the the type of the route, where the route is, the length of the route, all of those factors in, and it it, it becomes again complex as the postal service is realigning its delivery network. It's not that the postal service's delivery network is this static. Thing, these routes and, and, and are always changing with new addresses, new businesses, closed businesses. So it's one of those things that the Pulse Service is trying to optimize their delivery network and then have some vehicle fleet that aligns with that. And you're correct. Does that mean every car should be a BEV or every car should be internal combustion, that's probably not the right mix, right? Because you have this dynamic network. So I think the Postal Service's approach is to have some portion of them be BEVs and have, you know, a portion of them be internal combustion engines and see how that kind of optimizes with their desired network realignment.
0: We're speaking with Josh Bartson. He's Audit Director in the Office of Inspector General at the Postal Service. Well, then you've got some other recommendations here. Uh, There are actually more statements. It says some or all of the recommendations is not publicly available due to concerns with information protected under FOIA. Management agreed. What are we saying here?
1: In terms of the recommendations we had, one of the big ones we had was in terms of the final EIS, the Postal Service had three alternatives that we found to be relatively narrow. We were hoping in the supplemental that they expanded on those alternatives that would be a little more technologically and economically feasible and meet the purpose and need of what you were alluding to earlier, Tom, of the the route they're hoping for. The other part, too, is the second recommendation dealt with the total cost of ownership analysis. And we were hoping one of the things that we – observed. There's a pulse service. Some of the data they used was a little outdated. Um, some of the gas and electricity price data was probably from about a year old. So one of the things that we we're hoping for in the supplemental is that they're using a little more current or regionally based data. For example, you know, differences in the price of gas in California may be different from the price in New York or the price in Texas. So just kind of factoring those kind of regional differences may help as well. The third recommendation we looked at was the environmental emissions analysis. Again, this is a very kind of technical complex area. But we're just hoping some of the refinements in that area might hopefully more fully reflect the NGDV emissions that would happen based on the distribution of internal combustion and battery electric vehicles.
0: Right. And I guess one of the cost inputs to the whole program is building electric charging stations. You have to have that and the cost of the power to charge the cars. Is that all in this equation also?
1: In terms of the infrastructure related to the electricity and the battery vehicles, it's a great question, and it builds on one of the comments you made earlier that this is kind of a developing network. So we actually, in the inspector general right now, we have a projects looking at some of the, the battery infrastructure and re- related technology associated with all of that. So in terms of EIS, we were looking at this more through a procurement lens and not as much as these other kind of second level analysis and infrastructure needs that are required as part of this.
0: Right. So what is going to enable the Postal Service to actually buy new vehicles? Because at this point, the ones they need to replace are getting older and older. I mean, you see them going by your house and you say, how can that thing still be running?
1: It's a great question, Tom. And in addition to that, the need of the vehicles is ever changing with the, you know, more packages being delivered. And I think that's one of the impetus for this next generation delivery vehicle. And it's one of those things that it's going to be the Postal Service is trying to get what sixty six thousand battery electric vehicles through twenty twenty eight. They originally were kind of talking about getting you know upwards of about one hundred sixty five thousand vehicles. So this isn't like people are buying you know it's not like a 20,000, 30,000 vehicle purchase. At some point this could be this is going to be over half their fleet. So it is a massive endeavor. There's no doubt about that.
0: Right. Has anyone brought up the idea of hybrid, <laughs> because that technology is pretty mature.
1: And it's a great question. That would that would be something in terms of the Postal Services, you know, that you may want to ask them that. And from our perspective, even something as simple as a battery vehicle, there's a lot of different types. There's a lot of different batteries and, and the the network would be different. So even navigating all of those waters, the postal services doing their due diligence, you know, in terms of this fleet. And this is where maybe again, nothing it's very it's just a complex endeavor and they're trying to make sure that they're doing a good job to make sure this purchase and acquisition isn't aligned with what The optimal part of their delivery network.
0: Josh Bartson is Audit Director in the Office of Inspector General at the U.S. Postal Service. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Hey, Tom, thanks for having me on.
0: And we'll post this interview along with a link to his report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Deliver the Federal Drive to your device. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA.
3: Be considered as a member of his board of advisors on historically black colleges and universities. And so I accepted and served there for eight years during his two terms.
2: Amazing. You've had a fascinating career at numerous universities across the U.S. How did you become passionate about the education field and what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? First of all. I was made aware
3: of a quote by Horace Mann, who was a great 19th century educator who really gave rise to public education in the United States. And he was the first to utter the phrase that education is the great equalizer. And why that resonated with me was because I grew up in abject poverty uh, in rural Alabama, and there was no law
2: influenced your leadership position now as president of Morgan State. It, it had to have had an impact, but how would you articulate that? So if you go back to that Alabama environment, what I saw,
3: it was just so many people, my own brothers and sisters, who were ten times smarter than I was. But my first five brothers were illiterate. They never got an opportunity to show Went home to Alabama because these two were very serious. And my family is brutally honest with me, and they keep me grounded. So I flew down and began to talk with them about these institutions that were coming after me. I was thinking they would be impressed. And when I finished, my youngest sister said to me, Now, are you finished? Clearly, we are not understanding why you would even consider leaving Morgan. It just reassured me uh, that I'm living my purpose at Morgan. And it is joyful uh, to be at a place where you want to be versus being at a place where
2: others think you should be. One question that I always have to ask, is there one leader or maybe a couple of leaders that have inspired you, that have